0: All right. We are back. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Uh, That was one of my favorite artists, Amanda Marshall with Birmingham. We'll listen to that a little later on. Standing by, coming up in just a bit, is Dr. Jerry Weichman. is a young clinical psychologist and adolescent specialist. His practice is at Hogue Neurosciences Institute in Newport, and he helps teens deal with parents, teachers, friends, and academic pressure and all kinds of interesting things. So I thought it'd be very intriguing to have him on. Good morning, Dr. Weichmann. Good morning. Thank you so much for calling in. I told you my daughter heard you speak at her school, and uh, she was so intrigued and said, I think you would be a great guest. So (laughs) off I went to find you.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for having me.
0: So tell me a little bit about how you got into what you're doing now.
1: Um, I think uh, looking back on it, it kind of originated in high school. Um, I did you know, well in school. I had friends, I was a two sport athlete and um, I remember walking around and I still saw it as kinda cheesy and clicky and gossipy and people didn't see you I felt for who you were or who you're gonna be and you know, some parents tell their kids you know, this is gonna be the best time of life and I remember thinking to myself as a <laughs> teenager, This is the best time of life then you know, I'm really in a lot of trouble oh, here no. because this is unseen as enjoyable to me. Um, and I took a psychology class my junior year of high school, and I remember just thinking, eh, this is cool, <laughs> study people, right. uh, people say I'm easy to talk to It wasn't just a light bulb that said, yes, this is exactly what I'm going to do, I'm going to go specialize in adolescence and parenting adolescence. It was, um, yeah, this is cool, uh, I, you know, I, could, I could learn more about this. And then it just continued on through college, and you know, I just took the next class and the next class and tried a lot of different different fields and intro to biology and chemistry and sociology and psychology is kind of fit more for me and it just kind of unraveled from there in a positive way and I didn't realize until I was three fourths of the way through my grad school program Mm -hmm. and started piecing together what I was actually going to go do with it all
0: that's great so the theme of my show get the funk out do you think you had early on a sense of how to deal with the stresses of being a teen
1: um, you know, I think, first of all, everybody struggles, and I definitely had my, my own share of my own struggles. Um, a little bit of a backstory: story this whole thing is when my mom was pregnant with me, she was bleeding, this was in the mid-70s, and um, the doctor told her, if you don't take this medicine, you're going to probably lose your baby, and so obviously she did, and it turned out to cause birth deficiencies. so uh, um, when I was born, I was born with a right foot with no bones in it, and uh, deformed the left foot, and so oh when I was God. four months old, they actually had to amputate the, my right foot so I could be fitted for a prosthetic, so I've been walking with a prosthetic leg my whole life, um, and, um, you know, I knew that that was, I mean, I remember being a, a young kid, understanding the... You know, I was probably going to get teased in kindergarten. Uh, going from my first day of kindergarten, mm-hmm. um, having kind of having that awareness, and obviously there's a lot of curiosity, and there were a lot, of was a lot of teasing that went on in elementary school for me. And terrible. I think that dealing with the adversity of that and um, kind of forced me on to create new tools to navigate those things in a positive way. Um, right, and so I. I got. It wasn't one of my epiphanies was was uh, middle school, and there was this girl named Nadine who I always thought was really attractive and mm-hmm. really cool. And she had a really big mole on her face. And there would be as moles on their face, but hers was like the size of a dime. And what's messed up about our society is we're conditioned to pick out not what's right and good about people, but what's not right and imperfect. Sure. And being that nobody's perfect, it's a pretty messed up system. Right. And. Obviously, I was subscribing to this, too, and so I, well, I just decided to go up there and ask her about it, and it went something like this. I went, hey, Nadine, she said, hey, Jerry, I'm like, so uh, what's up with that? And she's like, with what? And, she, and, she, and I go with that, and she goes, with what? And I realized she had no clue what I was talking to her about because she was so comfortable with her face and everything that was on it. Yes. And so it made me realize, it made me feel like I didn't, if she was okay with it, then I was okay with it, and I didn't need to push it further. And then I had this light bulb moment where, you know, it, there's parts about ourselves we can change and parts about we about ourselves that we can't and learning to embrace what we can't change about ourselves and feeling comfortable and quietly confident with it um, is really the best way to proceed because if it's an issue for you it's going to be an issue for everybody else whether it's consciously or subconsciously you give off you know what your issue is when it comes to self-consciousness so that was a great big message. wake-up call for me yes. and helped me to feel a lot more comfortable and confident. And um, uh, fortunately, I was blessed with athletic ability, and I played uh, baseball and football. And I was getting recruited for baseball in high school, and I tore my rotator cuff, but I could still oh. um, play football. And I ended up um, going to play Division One college football.
0: Wow. Wow. Um,
1: I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, but I've always worked hard. I think, <laughs> right. you know, standardized testing, I, I probably got a equivalent of a 55%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with was, you. <laughs> yeah, but it was oh, no yeah. reflection of me, no. my love, my ability to be successful. <clears throat> looking back on it, and, um, you know, I worked hard. I had a good work ethic. I knew how to work before play and break mm-hmm. my work into bite-sized pieces so I wasn't getting overwhelmed and, Study appropriately for tasks, and you know, just working hard and you know, getting tougher than life when life gets tough has been a a big way that I've learned from early on to just overcome obstacles.
0: Can I interrupt for one second? I want to go back to um, the whole thing with the SAT because I bombed mine. I was so embarrassed. I wouldn't tell anybody, and it's it's a reflection of nothing. I mean, look at you. You have a PhD. You went on to do incredible things. Right. I got my
1: Ph.D. at 26, which is anywhere between two to four years earlier than most people. That's what
0: my daughter told me. And I said, that is unbelievable because she was saying that you were talking, I, th- I believe, about the SAT. And I, I did, terro- I just bombed it. And then I retook it and I only went up like 20 points. And, yep. and I, today's kids have so much pressure uh, because, you know, everybody's, doing better and better on these tests, and they want higher GPAs and higher scores, and you know, you can't get into most of the UCs, or you try, and and so much pressure, and I tell my daughter, I just want you to be happy. I want you to be level-headed and healthy mentally, physically, because I don't want to put you in a pressure cooker. I want you to be happy. College is so much more than hitting the books all the time.
1: Yes. Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. Yeah, I... I didn't do well on standardized testing. It's just, for whatever reason, my brain didn't work well. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like reading a foreign language for me in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I think that I can utilize um, how poorly I did on standardized testing as a way to motivate and inspire people to, you know, not take everything so seriously, especially when it comes to the SATA. I think, obviously, you do your best with it, but don't put your eggs emotionally in one basket no. on it because there's so many other criteria that schools are still looking for. Um, then when they're, they're, first of all, I believe there's a school for everybody out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that things have drastically changed since we were in high school. Back in the day, it did matter where you went to school. And if you did go to an Ivy League or a Stanford or a UCLA, then there was uh, additional support systems, additional jobs, alumni connections, things that would really kind of help you But nowadays, I think the landscape's really changed a lot. I mean, I really believe that the kids coming out of high school, they're the product. The ones coming out of college, they're the product. I mean, for me as an employer with having the the Weichmann Clinic here at the Hogue Neurosciences Institute, we have something like 18 or 19 people that work with us here, and, um, you know, very few of them went to, a, you know, a high-level prestigious university. But These people are the product. I mean, I just had a new interview with someone that came down to somebody from Harvard and somebody from Argus University. Mm-hmm. I went with the person from Argosy University. They're so much of a better candidate and a better yes. fit. So right. I, I do believe that there's a school for everybody out there. And, you know, I, the, the, what you kids really need to avoid and parents need to avoid is the I have to or you have to situation. Um,
0: Tell me about that.
1: Well, so it's actually really detrimental to a lot of these kids. Um, You know, they put themselves in the I have to. I have to get all A's, I have to go to Brown. I have to go to a nice leg, I have to go to this grad school or get in this MBA program. When you put yourself up in that situation, if things don't work out, you're setting yourself up for some major failure and a whole lot of stress along the way until you reach that point. And we've seen kids that have come into, into our clinic here that were struggling with everything from headaches, stomach aches, dizziness, even uh, seizures as a result of the I have to uh. mentality. So really what it's about, and everything for our society and our kids, it's, it's all outcome based, unfortunately. It's how you did in school, how well you did with this. And, you know, I think that really when it's all said and done, nobody can really control outcome. So what it's really about for me with the kids and the families we work with, it's about your effort, not your outcome. Because you can't ultimately control outcome. You're never going to get 100% of 100% of your tests. You're never going to be the best at everything that you're doing. And so if you try to, that's a square pig round hole. You've got to kind of ratchet it back and make it about your effort, not your outcome. You give your best, and if you've done your best on the effort end, you've got to find a way to be okay with whatever comes back to you as a result
0: of that. Do you also see, um, by the way, that's excellent advice. Thank you. Um, There's so much that goes on. I know in the community, we recently, um, my daughter lost a friend. There's so much between academics and, you know, sometimes it's so unusual. You lose somebody in the community. Do you find that kids are also coming to you and they're sharing stuff about, you know, loss and besides all the school stuff?
1: Oh, yeah. There's times of loss, unfortunately, here in Orange County. There's a really big upswing uh, about four or five years ago, and it really hasn't slowed down very much. uh, We saw all of a sudden start seeing a lot of parents that unfortunately passed away. Um, Right, there were obviously kids that had passed away for various reasons, Um, and so yes, there has been a lot of
0: loss. What advice would you give? um, You know, any little bit of advice for kids that are you know so stressed about. You know, you suddenly lose somebody and there's no answers, perhaps. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, the, the why that you could, you could spend a lot of time on the why, right? Right. Why people pass. Um, but really, I mean, I felt for myself that accepting that death is part of life has made my life easier. Uh, I know it's, it's something that helps me to have perspective, to not sweat the small stuff and um i found it to be very beneficial rather than fighting it welcoming it into my life and making the most of it the mm-hmm. fact that none of us are making it out alive but for the kids that are having anxiety and are apprehensive about you know cuz sometimes this will happen it'll have a ripple effect of you know them understanding that they're they're that that they're valuable and that that people die and that they will die and the family will die and it yes. brings that all back for them and so you know part of what it is is helping them to really stay in the here and now, in the present. It's kind of mindfulness, yes. by identifying their five senses, because a lot of the people will replay stuff from the past. It's never helpful unless you're trying to learn from mistakes. Sure. Um, and so spending time in the past is not a healthy place to be. If you're not spending the 10 seconds, you need to learn from your mistake. Um, and people with anxiety and stress spend way too much time in the future. And so trying to you know, dictate the future and make assumptions about how things might turn out is another square, square peg round hole, uh, a waste of time and energy and creates a lot of stress and anxiety. So even in something as simple as helping them to get back to the here and now um, is a way that they can create peace for themselves.
0: I think it's great advice. I, I know that with um, my, my daughter, what she had just gone through, I said, you know, let's think of some things that make you really happy and do them. And even if it's just getting outside and moving and talking Uh and, or, you know, I encourage her to be with friends a lot and maybe the friends that lost the same person, you know, but just doing things in the present, as you said.
1: Yeah. And staying busy, which helps you with distraction, which helps keep your mind off of things for sure. You know, and and on a side note, if you're ever interacting with someone who's just had a major loss or a, a major trauma in their life, you know, what a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't know how to proceed with that. They don't know how to in- interact with that individual. And my advice is always, like, one of the worst things you can do to somebody who's, been str- who's had a major loss or, or a major trauma in their life is ask them how they're doing. Oh, yeah. Because all they're trying to do is get a break from Being that upset. horrible event and the feelings that are associated with it. And anytime you're going and asking them, how are you? As a way to show that you care, you're just holding up a mirror for them and bringing it all back up because they have to look at it to tell you how they're when you ask them how they're doing. So it's for for the people that have lost, it's also good to kind of proceed on. I mean, everybody who's ever been in a situation where they've had major loss, been really depressed, whatever, they're just looking for a chance to get back to that normal life they had beforehand. So. There's nothing wrong and you're not callous. It's actually really helpful if you're walking around and pretending like, you know, kind of it didn't happen, not being overly cheery, but just talking about, you know, funny stuff that you heard and talking about yourself and something stupid that your brother or sister did or, you know, those are the things that can help pull someone out for a short and get a short reprieve from how they're feeling.
0: I think it's great. So... um, uh I heard I was reading that you are on the advisory board for the Crisis Text Line, a, a subsidiary of DoSomething.org. What is that exactly?
1: Yes. Um, so I, Nancy Lublin, who's an an amazing individual, created DoSomething.org as a way to get people involved in service. Um, and while at Do Something, she received, a, I believe, an email from a girl and uh, saying. You know, I don't know what to do, it doesn't stop, I want to kill myself, Mm. Um, he keeps raping me, it's my dad. And um, she tried to get a hold of this girl and the girl went dark and Nancy lost uh, a lot of sleep at night, tossing and turning, just thinking about what happened to this poor girl and it created a, a whole other track that Nancy took with her life, which was the recognition and the understanding that... This generation of kids, they don't pick up the phone. You know, if, if you've ever tried to text call your kid, yes, it, you know, you can text them and they'll text back no problem, but you try to call them and most of the time they don't even pick up the phone, they'll just text you back what, question mark. So in her mind, she's going, well, we've got all these kids struggling with all these issues and feeling suicidal and overwhelmed. Who's going to pick up a phone and call the crisis and call a suicide hotline at, in this generation. They don't do that. So she created, she understood that we had to create a, a texting platform for kids across the country to be able to text for help when they're really feeling suicidal or things are really bad for them. Um, and so that's what she did. And she, I was already part of, you know, something. And they brought me to the advisory board of Crisis text, text Line. And, you know, we brought a whole bunch of people together and, And one of the things I'm most proud of is the fact that we created a platform now for teenagers nationally. If they're ever struggling, they can text the word start or help to seven four one seven four one, And someone within anywhere between 5 and 60 seconds will text back and say, hey, what's going on? These are trained crisis counselors. Um, They're being supervised by doctorate-level people. Um, They go through a lot of training, and they can help talk somebody off a ledge, provide them with resources close to them, give them some tools and strategies short-term on how to handle this. And in the event that they're suicidal, um, we can see where their location is when they're texting us, and we can send EMS or the police to to help them uh, to help save their lives.
0: That's incredible. And
1: for anybody who's in a domestic um, abusive relationship, um, we also got all the every single cell phone carrier to not a charge for the texting that's going on and B have a it won't show up on any printed record that you have so that in the fact that you're a victim of domestic abuse, it'll help keep you safe from that as well.
0: That's incredible. I mean yeah, it's, that's done,
1: it's done a lot of good. It's, it's, we've helped. So many millions of kids already, and it's uh, it's something I'm really proud to be even a little part of.
0: That is great, and uh, you also contribute to KidsInTheHouse.com.
1: Yeah, yeah, there. Uh, it's a great parenting website. Um, I've done a lot of work with them. They grab everybody from top uh, mental health experts to movie stars, actors, actresses, athletes, um, and people that in certain specific areas can really talk a lot about just tools on how to handle things. They've created an entire website for parents on tools from everything under the sun that you could possibly imagine that would be an issue or something you'd want to learn more about. It's there on the
0: website. Great. So kidsinthehouse.com. I put up all this information on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Where can people find out more about you?
1: Um, they can... Um, Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jerry Weichman. Um, it's just Dr. Jerry Weichman, and um, I also am active on. Um, we, if you look at, go to my website. It's drjerryweichman.com. It's D R J E R R Y W E I C H M A N ncom com, and um, there you can also find me on Facebook in the same in the same domain. And um, what we'll do is, I try to post. Uh, you know, a couple times every couple of days, new stuff that's going on, and um, send out newsletters off of the website that people can join when they're on the website. Just to educate everybody that's out there because your kids don't come with a with a guidebook, and neither does your family. And you know, with the five thousand families I've seen to date, and doing this for twenty years, it's there's a lot of helpful information that you can pass along to parents and kids alike to really make a difference and. My whole goal, really, when it's all said and done is to, you know, get out there and speak enough and raise enough awareness so that, you know, we can reduce the amount of kids that need to come in to therapy and work with therapists and psychiatrists that we have here.
0: Right. I, I feel as a parent that you have to have tremendous empathy for where your kids are in their developmental stage, whether a senior, whether, you know, having all the pressure of college, or maybe they're a freshman or a sophomore or they're in middle school. There's all kinds of different levels of stress. Correct. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling into the show. Is there any last bit of advice you'd like to share with my listeners?
1: Um, You know, I think one of the biggest things that has helped me in my life and also that we've seen as issues with the kids that come in here is a lack of mental fortitude. And really when it's all said and done, you know, you can't control what happens in life, but you can't control how you react and respond to it. And there's ever been a dagger and a downfall of a kid really running into a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression It's been that lack it's just been that helplessness and hopelessness that they create and I personally believe that um, life doesn't give you anything that you can't handle and what's dropped in your lap is meant not for you to be down about or overwhelmed about it's meant for you to overcome learn and change and grow from and in doing so it leads you to who you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to be next in your life and One of the best ways to get yourself over these hurdles is to learn how to be a mental fighter. Life gets tough, you have to get tougher.
0: Right, perfect. Thank you so much for calling the show. I've really enjoyed having you on.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Jerry Weichman, who's right here in the Newport Beach area. And if you missed any part of today's show with him, everything will be up in my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I am on Twitter at moms underscore rock. If you want to find out about being a guest, you can send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at KUCI.org. So that's a wrap for me. Uh, Sheldon Abbott is going to come on in about five minutes or so. I'm going to leave you with a little music from Amanda Marshall. I want to mention that KUCI is on Twitter at KUCIFM. We're on Instagram at KUCIFM, Tumblr, blog.kucifm dot org, and we're on Facebook at KUCI 88.9. Have a great Monday, everyone. You are tuned to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out.